Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life plot holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Johnny Martin is an accomplished stuntman and within a relatively short period of time graduated to being a stunt coordinator and second unit director. In those capacities, Johnny has worked on more than 200 films, TV shows, and commercials, and even won the award for Best Stunt Coordinator of the Year for the film Gone in 60 Seconds. He also has his own production company and has re- recently directed some of the biggest names in Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Martin was kind enough to join us on Everything I Learned from Movies. Well, hi, uh, my name is Steve. Thank you for uh, calling. And uh, actually, just check the uh, sound quality here. If I, if I could get a one, two, three from you. One, two, three. One, two, three. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah, our little podcast, everything I learned from movies. Uh, typically, we review uh, questionable movies, but we still find the uh, lessons we can learn from the movie and pass them along to others who may not watch it. Um, but with our interviews, we definitely like to get to know uh, the people that make the movies and like where they came from and all that. And yeah, I guess to start off, uh, where did you grow up? What was your family life like? Well, uh, you know what? I was always an, an athlete growing up. I grew up in uh, the Bay Area in a town called San Leandro. It was right by Oakland. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so anyway, I grew up in a Portuguese town. And it was really nice because uh, there was a bunch of us, so I got all my Portuguese food there and everything yeah. else. So it was a great place to grow up and to be an athlete and played all sports. Um, but, but really, you know, what got me in the industry was uh, I used to love – uh, cars. I was. I had this infatuation for cars, and uh, I'd go down on my bike when I was eight years old to the car wash and just watch hot rods. Because back then it was the seventies. Everyone had to hop to hot rods and all that. And I'd see him coming in. And one day a car pulled up and on a trailer, and it was a, a a smashed up yellow Mustang. And and the guy got out of the car, and he looked like to me like a Burt Reynolds getting out of the car, and he was just amazing <laughs> man to me. So I rolled up my bike and I said, "Sir, what happened to your car?" And he said, "Son, my name is H. B. Halicki." And this is not a car. Her name is Eleanor, and and we just finished a movie called Gone in sixty seconds. And uh, I said, "Really?" I go, "Can you tell me more?" And so he told. So we sat for two hours, and he told me everything about how he was a producer, director, writer, stuntman, uh, and distributor. And and he and I said, "Well, this is amazing." So he told me everything about how he was going around collecting money for films, and and he told me that you know he did his own stunts. He was the lead actor in the movie, and and I was just so astonished by what he did. And I said, "Well, someday I want to be like you." And he goes, "Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. If you go help, go home and learn and, and and train yourself and and be everything that I am, you can call me up when you're 18. And you can come see me." And I said, "Great." Yes. So. Started trading from that moment on. I watched his movie, and it was uh, the longest car, car chase in history um, oh, yeah. at the time. And so I was just amazed by what he was and who he was. And I was a big Burt Reynolds fan growing up. Anyway, and, uh, and sure enough, uh, you know, I, I, I did what I did. And 18 years old, I got in the car, went to L.A. and called him up. And he was doing Gone in 60 Seconds Part 2, uh, directing and starring and filming it. And uh, I, he was in, it was in Ohio. And I couldn't get there, so I waited for him to get home. And meanwhile, I found out that he died during that movie. Oh, no. uh, a cable ripped off from a stunt that they were doing, and he saved his wife, but he got pretty much cut in half. Oh, no. I was really bummed to buy it, and you know, I just felt like everything I worked hard for was to get together with this guy who I wanted to be a filmmaker, and that's what he taught me on that one day was not to be just a guy who was a stuntman or a director or an actor, but if you want to 
become something in this business, you should be a filmmaker. That's a guy who knows everything and everyone's job to, in order to understand how lucky we truly are to be involved in films. And lucky enough, you know, 10 years after that, um, I was stunt coordinating almost immediately and doing a lot of stunts and second unit directing. And I got asked to, to stunt coordinate one last one, one more film. And I debate on it. And they said, yeah, it's a movie called Dawn in 60 Seconds. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was like an angel from H.B. Lakey came down and, and granted me this. And the script just basically had C, stunt coordinator for action. And me and, uh, me and my partner uh, designed all the action ourselves in the whole movie. And it was the biggest thrill of my life. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, great, great movie and stuff, too. But, yeah, great story. Well, between the two Gone in 60 Seconds, you did uh, stunt work with hundreds of movies it looks like like well over a hundred um i had quite a few uh and well one of your first ones was a uh, killer clowns from outer space you were joe lombardo i was joe lombardo <laughs> i was just my it, it, it was my first acting job and and i thought oh my god i'm on this piece of crap movie and and <laughs> it turned out to be one of the biggest cult classics of all time absolutely <laughs> And I, everywhere I go, I was in Titanic. I've been in all the Matrixes, Terminators, and and the only thing people care about is, so you did die, uh, you did Killer Clowns, huh? <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I got to be two two of the clowns throughout the whole movie as well. So it was really cool. There was a scene where you know I, I was almost attacking here myself as a role. So <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Uh, so you, you got to wear the two of the clown outfits. Were they like really big and heavy? Or? Yeah, they were. Well, the thing is, they have shorter legs. And oh. I'm not a tall guy anyway, but still short. You know, I had uh, 28 inch shoes and and uh, these these short, short legs that I had to try to. And I I was the fat characters always. So I was the guys with the big head, the big fat bodies, and and throughout the whole movie, you know, the only thing we did was run. You know, yeah. run and chase people and shoot people. And so uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a blast though. It really was one one of the funnest movies I've ever done. Plus, I got to act, and that was what really started my my my, my acting career as well. So, yeah, excellent. Do, do you have like a preference of stunt work over acting? Like, stunt just kind of get your foot in the door so that you could then have acting roles, or is just kind of things that popped up from you kind of being on set and available, or? <laughs> Uh, you know what's funny is that I, I guess it was always engraved in my head by H.B. Lakey that, you know, to become a filmmaker. And I really never looked at movies that, as, oh, my God, I just want to play this role, except for one movie. There was one role that I wanted to play because I love mafia movies, and I did The Iceman, and I second oh, and directed yeah. that. And there was a role that they were still casting, and I went up to the director, and I said, I really want to read for this role. And I, I just really and, – and Michael Shannon to me is a fabulous actor, yeah. and to sit and work with him side by side was amazing. So I got to read for that role, and I got it. So, yeah, I guess I guess there are some roles that mean a lot, but to me it's, it's the movie that means – the most to me and to me I could have a great role but if the movie isn't something that, that's special and also my character just gets lost it doesn't mean anything to me that's why you know you know I was never satisfied just being a stuntman or a, or even an actor I you know that's why I went into producing in 2000 I've produced you know 19 movies I went to China and I was their first co-production uh, with my company uh, Martini Films and uh, and I still wasn't satisfied and that's how I got into directing and that was the last mark I needed to make uh, to become a complete filmmaker. You know, I was already directing a lot of the action, but never been able to direct the actors. And uh, finally, in one year's period, I got to direct three three movies, and it was a crazy year, I'll tell you. Yeah, I bet. 
Yeah, it was really nuts. So yeah, it was kind of a progression over the years where you went from stuntman to stunt coordinator, and then uh, I guess it's kind of stunt coordinator to second unit director. What uh, what's the main difference that like stunt coordinator? It's just the stunt. Second unit, it's kind of directing the whole movie, but you know the second unit or. Well, um, stunt coordinators usually design the, the the action, and then we also hire the right performers, the the right doubles. And we set up and the monitor to make to, to make sure that our stunt people are 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 doing the action that's related to the the actor itself. Like if the actor's shy or timid, well, if he gets thrown out of a window, he better not just land hard and get up. He better stay <laughs> stuck like a sack of potatoes and not even roll out of it and be frigid, you know, and and do stuff like that. That's our job as a stunt coordinator to make sure the action is believable and 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 designed well. And then the second unit director now comes in and he could change all that but he also uh, designs the angles of the proper angles to make cars that in a wide open area can that are going 50, 70 miles an hour but they only look like they're going 20 how do we make them look like they're even going to going faster so there's there's you know imagination of how you you visualize camera in second unit like in car work you counter you counter the cameras you know you make sure that every car that goes by is in a tight squared area that's why Ronin is so famous is because you know these cars were in a tight Italian village, and 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 cars only had to go twenty five miles an hour to look like they're going fifty. But I did a, <laughs> a movie that probably a lot of people haven't seen called Redline, and we had Ferraris, and we went one hundred ninety five miles an hour in ch- chasings in these cars. And the problem is we're in Vegas, and the cars look like they're going one hundred. You know because you can't you can't show speed when you don't have things to wipe off. Yeah, so you got to have that that frame of reference, and if it's a giant hotel a mile off the strip, is your frame of reference? Yeah, that doesn't quite work out. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't. But you know, it's an exciting job. It's fun every day. You get to go in and blow up something, or crash something, or or, or fight someone, and and all that. So directing second unit is, is something that uh, you know I don't ever want to give up. But it seems like you know as you progress, it's hard to go back. You know. Yeah, because no, that's going to be my next question is which one do you enjoy more being a being a car guy and everything working directly with the stunts or kind of taking a step back and delegating to everybody. <laughs> uh, you know what? I got to tell you, every job has its rewards. I mean, uh, producing a movie is really a challenge and it's it's really quite demanding of, of how you can pull it off, especially in today's markets where, you know, uh, movies aren't selling like they used to sell. There's no, you know, uh, blockbusters or anything like that to sell movies and countries aren't buying movies anymore. So we have to do films for a lot less and to do bigger action for a lot less is very challenging as a producer and as a director, uh, it's even more challenging because now we're used to get 40 days to shoot a movie the average film now gets 21 days and that's it and it's very hard to pull off action movies in that kind of a time period and then to shoot the action I mean it's really to me something that I really enjoy it's a breeze because it's it's my world and and, uh, I have to probably say that's probably the funnest but I'm I'm more involved in the creativeness of it so to me I'd rather be directing uh, than than to be second unit directing because I want to be able to have that a film by Johnny Martin and, and you know, you know, and to be able to be ready to, to show people what I think this move, this script should be. Excellent. So your directorial debut, at least according to IMDb, um, is a TV movie called Skeleton Man that had Casper Van Dien and Michael Rooker. Uh, how, how was that? Well, <laughs> that was a kind of a weird movie. We, uh, that was a movie that I, I got as a producer, uh, and it was my first producing job. And basically what yeah. happened was that uh, everything was going great, 
And then uh, the movie was starting to look good. We started to do it for the right number. And then all of a sudden the director decides to quit. Ooh. And since I was the only qualified director in the Directors Guild, uh, I had to finish the last of the movie. Not the way I wanted to start my career, pretty <laughs> much. I didn't want to have my name as a director on that movie. But because I was producing the movie for this financier, he you know, it was asked me that I had to put my name on that movie. So, uh, yeah, it's not it's not my really my first movie. It's just one that I produced that I had to finish off. Nice. And I'm sorry, you said that was your 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 first one at, from your production company. There, you started in 2003, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, and that one, uh, believe it or not, premiere of the year for sci-fi, and we did it. Uh, the way I got into producing was that everyone was doing these sci-fi movies for 1.5 million, and and uh, the only way I get in the door with someone taking a stuntman serious because that's very hard in this business because they just think you're wild and crazy is that I had to show them proof that I could probably pull this movie off for 300,000, and they didn't believe me, and I had to get the actors, Casper and Michael, to come in and talk to Mr. Lerner, and uh, and he finally believed me. I said, you got nothing to lose. If it's a bad movie, you could go finish it off in Bulgaria and still save money, but give me a chance. <laughs> And he gave me the chance, and it, it did very well. He gave me two more after that. Excellent. Yeah, hey, I would think three hundred thousand. That'd probably be just the salary for those two guys. But <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we made close to four, 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 four or five million. Oh, so nice. it, it did very well for. Excellent. Well, that and that's what keeps the uh, keeps the work coming, so you can make three <laughs> movies in a year. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there was also a movie I found out called Delirium that you directed, um, and that got lots of praise on the uh like like sundance the the festival circuit that's what i'm looking for <laughs> yeah it, it really did it's funny though there's a great story behind that that movie and this should help all the filmmakers out there to understand what it takes to make a movie and that movie is probably the best example to explain to your audience and that is that that movie when i made it uh you know it's a, it's a story about when i was growing up i grew up by this house called the dunsmere house that was haunted and me and my boys the hell gang that we grew up with we used to hop the fence and we had this rule that you could you know if you hopped over the fence and you got the gold coin i'd place up there during the day it's a mile walk to the house and you came back uh you know because uh, burn offerings and and a few other horror movies and were shot there i said you know then you could be in our group well no one ever pulled it off so i created this movie based on that but i did it during a time when found footage was really hot and so i knew as a as being a producer i knew that i had about a year uh, before found footage would die so we rushed into production it was a a 10-day shoot uh, i did found footage uh, casted a really great cast. It took me four months to find a cast because I, de I demanded the actors to hang out for three months and become friends, and they, I wanted them to party together and, and really become actual friends before I'd film it, and I, and I had the money already, so it didn't matter when I shot it. So after I was filming, so if you see the end credits, you'll see the times that they were just hanging out and having a good time together because <laughs> I put that in the movie, but basically that's when I decided I could make the movie, and then when we made it, I just said, okay, we all know what we have to do. We've been rehearsing for three weeks now. Let's throw up throw the script away and let's just add ad lib the whole movie and that's what we did and it was great and the movie came out really good we won a Carmel Film Festival and then right when I went to go sell it I found out found footage died and I'm oh. like well what am I going to do my, all my friends and I have put our money in oh god so I said guys we got to go back to the drawing board uh, Debbie Martinelli Swallow came in and saw the movie and she thought it was brilliant and said what what will it take I said I got to turn this movie into a mixture of found footage and film and that way there I could get out of the found footage realm and I could do a new mixture of movie that hasn't been done yet that gives me the best chance of selling so uh, I rewrote the script and uh, shot another six days 
and basically rewired the movie into making it not being a found footage, but being a mixture of found footage. And we won two more film, film festivals after that, and now Gra Gravitas put it in the theaters, and uh, we're all over all over the place, Voodoo, Am Amazon, everywhere, and, and Netflix soon. Found it on a, uh, Amazon the other day, so I'm going to have to... It's on the queue <laughs> right now, so... <laughs> uh, good, 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 good. Yeah, please, please watch. There's a lot of hard work, and again, that budget on that movie was 200000 Oh, wow. uh, and I, I needed to do that to prove to people that I am a filmmaker. I'm not a stuntman. I'm not this crazy guy. I'm not this second unit director. I'm an actual director. And the only way to prove that is to actually go out and shoot your own movie and to show people who you are instead of ho hoping that they'll understand by, by your words. Excellent. And, of course, getting uh, excellent returns and stuff money-wise with a couple of these, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. And uh, the movie I just saw the other day that made me want to reach out to you and here firsthand was, of course, uh, last year's Vengeance, a love story starring the great, uh, probably the one of the patron saints of our podcast, Nicolas Cage, as well as Don Johnson. What what was it like working with those guys? And just, I mean, it's kind of a dark movie, obviously, but uh, was it was it good behind the scenes, at least kind of cheery or? <laughs> well, that movie was very weird because I was hired to be the producer on it. So I was producing it, and uh, and we had one director on it. We went scouting, and I didn't like, I didn't want to do the movie because I have a real problem with rape, and I didn't want to be a part of it. And my financier talked me into producing it, so I did that. The director I didn't feel could pull it off, so we so we let him go. And then Nick said, "I want to direct the movie," and I know Nick for twenty years now, and we've done probably over fifteen movies together. And so I've known him a long time, and so I said, okay, great. So Nick was always busy, so we worked together hand in hand. And as the, we got closer, uh, the budget, you know, we uh, the money that came in was a lot less than what we had in the, the budget. And so I had to cut some days, and, uh, and with me cutting days and Nick's schedule, Nick said, Johnny, I, I can't do this movie. You're going to have to do it. And so uh, three days before, I realized it's going to be my, my movie now, and I didn't even know if I wanted to do it. And then the director's guild steps in and says Johnny can't direct the movie because he's a producer and producers can't take over for directors. So oh. that was a problem. So we had our attorneys and then at two o'clock in the morning, uh, six hours before we were ready to shoot, I got the green light to go ahead and direct it. Okay. So my big thing was I had to figure out how to how to do the rape scene. Because the rape scene had to be so uh, memorable, yet not disturbing, but yet one that you can't forget about Till the movie's over, so that way there you can understand why, you know, the vengeance of, of getting these guys was so important, and yeah. that was my biggest struggle. And I stayed up nights trying to figure out how I could do this differently than everyone else has, and not be compared to anyone else. And when I did that, working with Nick and 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 Talitha and Anna, uh, it was just an amazing process because I'd never been a part of a film that people got so emotional over you know this subject is so hard and, and you know Anna even had to go get help after this movie because she got so drawn into the character oh, um, that you know it was a close bond between us you know we were holding each other throughout these days and and really you know hanging out all the time together and it was it was one of the best experiences I've ever had and I'm really proud of, of what we pulled off and I'm hoping that a message came out of this movie. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was actually an incredibly well done scene. That was one of the reasons I wanted to reach out because I, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of you before, and I was like, oh wow, yeah. and then I saw the stunt work, and I was like, okay, I got to know 
what makes this guy tick but yeah it was a beautiful movie really like obviously it's a little r-rated uh with the rape scene and of course vengeance um (laughs) and a little violence but uh yeah i would definitely recommend anyone listening to to check that movie out uh, great, great. Well, and, yeah, well, thank Nick, Nick to, to work with in any genre is awesome. I mean, he's a he's a true friend, and, and he's just an amazing man, and, and he's one of those actors that will last forever, I guarantee it. Yeah, I hope so. Hoping so. And and uh, Talitha Bateman, the, the young girl in this movie, she, she seems like she's got a great future ahead of her. Like, she was a really good actress in the movie. She is a flawless actress. She really is. I mean, me and her, she would come up and tickle me and giggle with me and act like a little kid. But when that camera rolled, she was knows every line, everyone's lines. And she was the, the biggest joy to, to work around. And if I could get a chance to work with this girl again, I just think that she's just going to take off. I mean, yeah. she's an amazing actress. Yeah, I saw her in uh, like Annabelle Creation and stuff earlier this year, too. And I was just like, okay, this... This is a future star right here. I don't know. It's just one of those feelings you get. <laughs> it's, it's, she's going to grow up to be a star. I guarantee she will definitely be 30, 40, 50 years old and still be in this business. Excellent. And then also last year uh, you made the movie Hangman. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see it last night. It just showed up in our Netflix this morning. And so uh, we'll probably, after this interview, be watching it. But working with legendary Al Pacino and also Carl Urban... Uh, I mean, how was making that movie? Uh, I worked with Al Pacino, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, how, how, I mean, how better can it be? I mean, I peaked, I think. I, mean, I think that, you know, I play, I, I, I filmed with the, the gods. You know, that's how I, I look at it. I mean, meeting Al, Al Pacino, everyone says, you must have been nervous, and uh, I wasn't. I just said, I, you know, I probably don't have a shot at this, and uh, I just love his work, and... When I got to meet him, I fell in love with him. I fell in love with him, and it made me express how important this movie was. And 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 it's funny because you know he he said, "Tell me the movie. Tell me tell me what you think this movie is." And I said, "Al, I go. I know everyone's telling me that I'm making a seven. I go. I'm not making a seven. <laughs> I said seven is about this character that we're following. I said we're not following the hangman. We're following four characters that are struggling with their own lives that are finding a way to help each other get through life." I go, and that's what this story is about. I go, and it's not about, you know, just a killer. I go, and I hope that people see that. And and, and he, we started going back and forth about lines, and we started doing lines together. And before I know it, it was like four hours later, and uh, we were just, we, we didn't have enough. And I came back the next day, and then I started going to Atlanta to start to prepping, and he would say, come home. And I'd come home, and we would sit for another night, and then another night, and fly back. And for through all the prep, every week I was coming home two or three times just so we could talk. And Al, you know, would say, Johnny, you know, this character, I go, you mean this one-line cop? And he goes, yeah. He goes, where is she from? Is her family married? Is her dad still alive? And he'd want to know everything about backstory on every character, so when he sees her, he could look at them in that way and even talk to him in Adelaide in that way. And Carl Urban is so freaking strong and so solid of an actor that um, that to have these two together, which was so golden. The reason why I wanted Carl so bad 
is because Al is hoo-ha Al, you know, he's crazy yeah. and he has these highs and these lows and, and Carl has this demeanor that is so strong and, and solid and to mix those two together, you know, you got the, the, this, this chemistry that they works together so strong that they're not fighting for each other's uh, lines and their roles and that they're actually, you know, you know, they got their own characters that you want to listen to both dialogues and that's what really, really, really grabbed me and, and uh, you know, and Christy, you know, God, I can't talk enough about all my a- a- actors in this movie. You know, they all brought it, and and I and I, I'm, I'm really big in ad libbing, and I, you know, I believe that once you get a take or two, it's time to see where we could go with this movie and and see what I could get out of it that maybe is not on the script. And so we would constantly do three or two or three takes of just ad libbing these these scenes of how we felt about them. And uh, I'd probably say I used probably about thirty percent of that. And Brittany Snow, you know, brought a character that was a nothing character and made it something that was so solid and so strong. And then, uh, I guess in development, do you have a, a movie work, working on called Judge Not, at least according to IMDb? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do. But right now, uh, I'm developing two movies that I really want to do next. I wrote a movie uh, called Exposure about the second gunman of the JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. And I, wrote, I, I, I used all the conspiracy theories and incorporated them into it. And this, this, this character uh, is testing out a camera at Kodak and rushes to get in there to test the camera and is at the grassy knoll and shoots uh, uh, films the, the second gunman and from that point on the CIA the the AFA the, the Texas Rangers everyone is after him to get this tape and this poor innocent guy his life changes in two days and it's just a solid solid story and I just really wanted want, want to be able to tell this movie and the other one is Killer Unknown where that's my crazy action side my homage to, to Spielberg's duel is what I want to do too. <laughs> so I want to add a little bit of horror to a duel and make it crazy ass car movie that just is nonstop edge of your seat. Something that you know I, I haven't been able to do as a first unit director. So you know everyone wants to see me do an action movie and I've done what a horror, I've done a drama and I've done a thriller. I think yeah. it's time that I do an action movie. I'm sold. Uh, like I'll, I'll be waiting for that one. <laughs> and yeah, then that one I'm looking forward, forward to too. But Judge Not uh, is in the works. We got it over at Netflix now and trying to trying to develop it. It's a great story. It is more like Seven, so that way there, you know, everyone wanted me to do Seven on Hangman, but it wasn't written that way. So this one, I definitely chose it because it was more more like Seven. And fortunately enough, I got to be a part of Seven from beginning to end, the original movie. Yeah. Uh, so it was really something that was to work next to Finch but my you know that's why I got into stunts so I could hang out with directors and find out what I could take from each one of them and I'd say that you know Tony Scott took me under his wing and and taught me style and color and looks and and how to make drama uh, scenes actiony look and uh, I think he helped me probably one of the most if I may for just a moment go through some of your your stunt credits uh you've worked with it seems like anybody and everybody. I mean, everything from, you know, like you mentioned, Terminator and Terminator 2, Interview with a Vampire, Clear and Present Danger, Seven, Nine Months, Jade, Fair Game, Crimson Tide with Tony Scott there, The Rock, The Fan, uh, one of our favorites, Steel, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Starship Troopers, I mean, Dante's Peak, Godzilla, Armageddon, Wind Talkers. Uh, just Italian job from badass car movies, expendables. I mean, is there, were there ever like stunts that you were set up ready to do? And then you were started having second thoughts like, 
what did I do in my life to get to this exact point? And <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was forty five days of that, and it was on Titanic. And Titanic, oh. every day someone was going to the hospital uh, and getting hurt seriously bad, and uh, and it was it was scary to go into work every day because you know falling from the poop poop deck. Uh, that was 100 feet down, and you know we have 40 of us, and we're going feet first down, going about 35 miles an hour sliding, and and I was the guy from the very center that was holding on when Kate's uh, and, and and Leo are up on top, and I let go and I hit the thing and I tumble off. Yeah. Um, so that you know you know I got badly beat up on that one, got knocked out a few times, and you know and us stunt guys take care of each other, and it was one of those things where you know we didn't want to leave the show, so you get kind of knocked out and. You know, you'd just hide in underneath a bench for a scene or two to wake yourself up, and you'd get right back to doing it again, and uh, that's what we kind of did, and, you know, every day was different. Every show that we go on, you know, we have fun, and we laugh, and we party, but that show, we'd go home, and we'd be silent going home, and we'd be silent coming to work at times. Man, well, you can at least rest assured that you had, in my opinion, the most memorable part of that movie, which is like one of the biggest blockbusters of all time. So, yeah. like every time I think about that movie, I think about that scene, and yeah, the guy tumbling and hitting the thing and spinning afterwards. I mean, wow, that was you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and James Cameron came to us and said, "You guys are going to feel like you're really on this ship. I'm not going to let you guys off." And uh, at the end of it, you're going to feel like that you're going to go down with this ship. And we did. And, you know, it was hard. You know, the water was polluted and we were in Tijuana. And, you know, a lot of us got sick from uh, being, you know, just tugged down underwater like we're drowning. And, yeah, I I, I was sick for four or five years after that movie. Oh, man. But I would take it back one moment. Excellent. It was was golden. And I would do the stunts if I could all over again. Yeah, you just got to look at it as like a learning experience and continue to learn to grow, which it seems like seems to be a mantra of your life, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, stunts are something that, you know, it's a rush. And, and, and basically, it's people think we're crazy, but, you know, the thing is, is we're scared to death. We really are. But, you know, it's, it's to achieve that, that something that you don't think that you can survive. And you end up finding your body finds a way to move in certain ways on its own to make you survive, like getting hit by a car. You don't think about it. Your body just does the work. Yeah, see, I've uh, actually inter- had the pleasure of interviewing a few stuntmen um, on this podcast. Uh, what was like your your workout regimen? Like, was it a couple hours a day, or was it more diet and flexibility? Or uh, mine was, I mean, the mirror. <laughs> I mean, to me, to become a good stuntman, you had to become a good actor, and you had to to know your looks and your faces and your fights. Fights are one of the hardest things to learn, and believe it or not, your mirror is 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 the strongest thing. And getting into your mind, and I'm a big day, day, daydreamer. I mean, I and and in order to be up on top of a building at 60 feet and to jump off of it, you know, you have to put yourself in a, a state of mind, and that's very very important. I mean, I was already physical, and I trained and, and worked out, but. It was more physical in my head and my mind to be able to know that when I got up there that I knew when to say no and walk away and when to say let's go for it, you know, and, and talk yourself into doing something that you think or you know going into it that you're going to get hurt. Of course, for the future, um, you, you mentioned your, your projects coming up. Are there any other like dream projects you have coming up or I don't know, uh, since you've already worked with Nicolas Cage and Al Pacino, uh, will this... Uh, yeah, Killer Unknown. Is it going to be starring like The Rock and? <laughs> uh, you know what? No, I would really like to do it with. 
a different guy. I mean, because Dennis Weaver was this great character in Duel that, that he wasn't this macho guy, and that's what made the movie so grand. He jumps up for joy like a little boy, and you could buy that because of who he was. But my dream movie to do, and I'm trying to develop it now, as a matter of fact, I wrote the script for it, and I don't even have the rights for it, and I even raised the money for it, and I still don't have the rights for it, and I even got Nick Cage involved, and I still don't have the rights for it, but it's Gone in 60 Seconds Part 2, that's Excellent. where I started, and I'm not done with that yet, and Nick's not done with that yet, and, and me, and as Nick's words to me were, Johnny, we started these car movies, it's time for us to finish it. Excellent, I was absolutely hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the one I really want. I didn't even know there was a... Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds Part 2 previously that had been done, so now i got to look that up. <laughs> well, well, it only got halfway finished because, like I said, you know, he, he died, and I'm really close with the family oh. of H.B. Alicky's, and so, you know, we are talking about doing uh, his version of it as well. So either oh, version wow. I'd be very happy with. I'd love to be able to do H.B. Alicky's version and do an homage to him. Uh, it would mean the world to me because uh, that one day of sitting with him is he's been in my life my whole life now and I got artifacts that he's made and hubcaps from his cars I have a collectible uh, collection of, of everything he's, he did oh yeah that's fantastic well we'll we'll be pulling for you and waiting <laughs> excellent I'll be there opening weekend <laughs> pinky swear <laughs> <Good>. Tell <everyone>. <laughs> <laughs> excellent and of course uh, the name of our podcast is everything I learned from movies so I guess kind of in summation, what are some things that you've learned from movies and life in general that you'd like to share with others? Uh, the key thing to know is that you could be in this business 30 years, but every movie is different and every movie is new to somebody and it's a new experience for someone and to keep your passion and don't make any film feel like you're, it's, it's your next one. Make it feel like it's your first one because films are so special they are so special and they're going to last longer than you'll ever last. They, I mean, I, I'm making movies today for my grandkids and my kids after that to be able to say that, you know, that their grandfather did something that, that maybe made someone feel better, you know, cause that's what movies do. It's our yeah. job to make sure that all the stuff that's going on in this world, you know, it's our job to make them feel for two hours that everything's going to be okay. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Great advice. <laughs> Treat it every time like the first time. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you once again for well, I guess joining me. Unfortunately, uh, my wife's been uh, she's been waking up early the past couple of days, so she <laughs> couldn't stay up this late. But <laughs> but thank you um, and no uh, problem. Thank you so much for, for for this interview, and I hope that all the filmmakers out there uh, enjoyed it as well. Yeah, absolutely, and everybody, watch Vengeance, a love story. Watch Hangman; both are out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray right now. And keep an keep an eye on. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, it was Mar Martini Films? Was that your production yeah, company? Martini Films, and don't forget about Delirium. Oh, Delirium, of course, yes. yes. Show how you can make a movie on your own too, and make a great quality movie. Yeah, and next time you're watching Titanic, remember that that <laughs> that poor gentleman that <laughs> fell down there. He's making great movies now, so he's he's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So much. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll definitely reach out again when uh, when your new movies come out. <laughs> sounds good. Any, anytime. Excellent. Doors open. So, yeah, that was director Johnny Martin uh, hanging out with us for a couple minutes, uh, letting us know what's been going on in his life. And 
Sounds like great, wonderful things coming up. Speaking of great, wonderful things coming up, of course, everything I learned from movies, uh, it's a pretty busy time of year where uh, Avengers Infinity War is coming out later this week. Um, and starting in May, we have Cast of May, uh, where we're pairing up with a lot of our uh, Castaway podcast community uh, podcasters and uh, we're going to be pairing up with some of their suggested movies so keep an eye out for that and hopefully for things in the future uh, we also had this little exchange with Mr. Martin thank you very much uh, wow amazing stories uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Gone in 60 Seconds Part 2 and that may be like 10 years away but <laughs> I'm going to figure it out I got, I'm got. blame me step by step but I'm doing every, everything I can I don't know if I can pull it off but I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to hear no Excellent. So, well, well, anything we can do to help, just let us know. <laughs> well, well, thank you guys very much. Thank you for appreciating Nick Cage, too, because he's a special man. Absolutely. If you uh, know how to pull some strings to get him to come on for an interview, I mean, def- definitely let him know that we would absolutely love to speak with him. We have so many questions over the years. <laughs> I, bet you do. I bet you do. I will see what I can do. All right. Excellent. Thank I'll you, thank Mr. Martin. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Mr. Martin may be putting in a word with us with uh, Sir Nicholas Cage to potentially have a future interview. I don't know. We'll see. He's anyway. Mr. Martin's a wonderful gentleman. Thank you again for joining us on this interview. As for us, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at EILF Movies. That's everything I learned from movies. We're also on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Izzy's wonderful art is up at untidyvenus.etsy.com. Listen to all the castaways. Uh, their wonderful podcasts are all over the place. Actually going to end this thing with a lot of their promos, so please listen through to the end. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, I really love these interviews, but if there's anything else like you wants to ask them or anything of that sort just hit us up on twitter let us know and we'll see what we can do so until next time i'm steve and i'm izzy uh and this is everything i learned from movies have a good night everybody hey do you like movies hey do you like podcasts if you do then come on down and listen to the home video hustle podcast homie hustle hustle every friday we talk about whatever movie pj picks out the bag what does that mean well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie out, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.poppin.com. All of them in one place for you. So you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the Defenders. Yeah. But I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> Come out at you boys, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace. We're happy to have you with us this evening and want you to enjoy every minute of your stay here. Listen to me. Please listen. If you don't, if you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! Are you ready 
to enter the sci-fi double feature drive-in. Every month we hold a special double feature with a very interesting theme thought up by your host, the conspiracy-loving Elisa, and yours truly, Jarrett the Kaiju Man Wegelin. We discuss giant monsters, little monsters, genetic abominations, robots gone awry, aliens coming to Earth, cryptids, and anything in between. So join us at the sci-fi double feature drive-in podcast every first and third Thursday of the month. And don't forget to stop by our snack bar first. Have you ever watched an absolutely terrible movie and thought to yourself, what were they thinking? Because we sure have. So much so that we named our podcast after it. What were they thinking? Starring me, Nathan. And Brendan. Every other week, we take a bad to questionable movie and unpack it. So you don't have to. And then every other other week, we ate your cues with our mailbag. Or, you know, talk about whatever. Yeah, no big whoop. No, no big whoop at all. So that's what were they thinking. You can catch us on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Uh, also, a ton of platforms that Brendan made up. Hey, this is Liz. And this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbeam, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. Talk to you soon. Hi, guys. We interrupt your favorite podcast to... Interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast. Wait, wait. Isn't this playing on somebody else's show? Exactly. So then how are we... I thought we were their new favorite podcast. Well, we're going to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show. What's our show called, Justine? Superiority Complex. Yeah. Where can they find us, Patrick? Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S-O-U-P Complex. And you can go to Facebook.com slash Soup Complex. But our main page is... On Podbean. And you can find us there at www.superioritycomplex.podbean.com. New episodes are out every Thursday. Justine, yes. what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff. Perfect. Don't get all sensual with your voice. Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it. It's a little inappropriate. If you want to hear a little more of that, tune in to the Superiority Complex. One more time, Justine, what do we talk about? Nerdy stuff. Nah, wasn't no. the same. You tried. Hi, I'm Phil. Oh, <laughs> did someone just did someone just sign off of AOL? I'm Paul. I really don't have a lot on this. <laughs> oh my god, this is this is rolling off the rails real quick. And I'm Dennis. I, I am so dance. mixed up today. Just don't even listen to me anymore. And together we are. Voltron. Well, no, not Voltron. We are Useless Debates in Pop Culture, a weekly... Or we at least try to be. ...podcast that allows you to pick the winner. <laughs> ding, ding. ding.
by no means the a lamp. The internet show. strikes again. Yeah, for sure. We will debate anything. So if you want to hear debates on such useless topics as best Val Kilmer role, Tombstone, Tombstone, or best movie soundtrack, American Graffiti, or the most successful former boy band number, JT, then tune into our show. Your podcast is so well named. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, Podbean, and Google Play. And our website, uselessdebate.com. All right, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ellen, and I'm scared we exist in the Matrix. I'm Jaslyn, and I'm bad at ad living. <laughs> and you're listening to High, High Expectations, Expectations, the promo. For our international listeners, you can appreciate our cute New Zealand accents. For our local listeners, you might bump into us in the street three times in the same hour. Our podcast is about pop culture, sexuality, relationships, interesting hobbies, banter, and ragging on each other. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or anywhere you might like to find podcasts. Yay! Please subscribe. Goodbye! One man trying to make a difference. These rats could help us find the cures to literally all disease and ailments. They're also my friends. I've even taught them to sign, and I can understand them. <laughs> oh, Snuggles, you're too much. But doing good can come at a cost. I don't understand. Snuggles is growing at a tremendous rate. What's the serum VX8? No. No, no, that was an experimental growth hormone for plants that helped cure world hunger, but if it was injected into Snuggles, who did this? Dr. Caster Goodspeed, you work for us. You need to remember that. Your creations are our creations. What have you done? What have you put this into? I've changed the world. There are reports of a dragon in the swamps of New Orleans. That's not a dragon. That's a chameleon with bat wings. Jub-Jub. You injected Jub-Jub? He's gone! Snuggles is gone! There are now also reports of a giant nutria terrorizing Canal Street. That's Snuggles. We have to get to the French Quarter. Snuggles, it's okay. It's me. I'm your friend. What are you so afraid of? No. Not the bees. Not the bees! Academy Award winner Nicholas Cage Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei Academy Award winner Christopher Walken Alright, alright, alright I heard you had some vermin that needs some exterminating and Academy Award winner, Matthew McConaughey. Oh.
From the director of San Andreas, Rampage, and Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. What do you say, Snuggles? Let's take them out. You get the bee with porcupine quills and acid spit, and I'll get Jub Jub. Rat Cage. Coming this summer. Straight to DVD. Whoa!